Hello and welcome back to another episode of Positively PCAVs, the podcast brought to you by Perkins Ross Charity PCAVs. Hi Amy, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I am good, thank you. I didn't see you last week. I know, I missed you. I know, things have been a bit hectic over the last couple of weeks, so we didn't manage to get the podcast to put out last week. But we have a great one for you this week to make up for it. Yeah, we have a great episode this week. This week we are going to be speaking to our Chief Executive of PCAVs, Paul Graham. Yeah, Paul is going to have a chat with Amy and I about how things have been at PCAVs during lockdown and how COVID has impacted the third sector locally and some of our partnership work. So let's think it's going to be a really interesting chat. But before we get on to that, Amy, it was not even how's your week been? How has your fortnight been? A complete blur, um, more than anything. I, I think it rained. Did it rain the whole time? It rained Is that why it feels like a blur? I think I've been trapped in my house, but I've I've constructed a home office now, so I'm no longer working out of my kitchen and being able to frequently visit the fridge. So, only be a bonus. So you have built yourself up a desk, didn't you? Kind of, yeah. I, I looked for a desk for weeks and weeks and weeks, and everybody had the same idea. So, it took me up till this point in the lockdown to get one, but got one, built it. Much cosier now. I mean, I'm working off of a wicker chair, which isn't ideal. I'm lucky because Amy kindly put my work chair into her car and took it home for me at the start of lockdown so that I had somewhere to sit. I was in the office, I was in, I had to come in to do something and my intention was to take an office chair and then I left and I was like, right, see you later, Kelsey. And I got home and realised I did not pick up an office chair. So wicker chair it is, you know. What have you been up to anyway? I haven't seen you for a long time. That is a difficult question. Like you, I think, yeah, it's been a bit of a blur. Um, Working in the Minority Communities Hub has been particularly busy. Um, it's always busy. Part of what we love about our jobs with PCAVs, it's never dull, never the same thing two days in a row. But it has over the past couple of weeks, there's been a lot, a lot going on. So a lot of work. Um, but thankfully, actually, do you know what the highlight of the last couple of weeks was? Is they reopened the car park at the Hermitage and it's close enough to where we stay that we're allowed to go up there to exercise and I have missed the hermitage so much (laughs) it was so nice so we've been up there a couple of times just the smell and the quiet and it's it's so nice I normally go up there every Saturday morning and not being able to has been a bummer so that's a nice change so can you believe Amy that this is now 10 weeks since we started recording positively PCAVs yes and no at the same time such a long time but it's gone so quickly It has, it definitely has. So we are going to take a couple of weeks off now. So we are not going to release new episodes in July after this one, but we'll be back in August. That should give us some time to line up some more great content for the show. So without further ado, let's move on to our interview with Paul Graham, Chief Executive of PCABS. Hi Paul, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks very much for inviting me. Not at all. We're we're happy to have you. So um, we thought it might be helpful for those who are maybe not too familiar with PCAVs or with your role, if you could start us off by explaining a little bit about your role, what an average day looks like maybe normally when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it's actually hard to remember because it seems like the 15 
weeks or whatever it is, in some ways seems like a different world ago and so long ago. I know it was very different from the way it is today. Um, it's very much a case of, you know, getting to the office for 8.30, have lots of emails waiting on me, then have lots of quite formal structured meetings in the diary, whether that be with members of staff or people from other organisations, partners or whatever. And, you know, lots, lots of meetings, lots of phone calls and lots of impromptu kind of meetings with people within within the gateway offices. So all very structured and all quite traditional. So, yes, it's changed significantly in the last 15 or so weeks. Yeah, so how has life at PCAVs changed from your perspective um, since we went into lockdown in March? Well, it's it changed from the point of view that there's not as many of those meetings, which maybe tells you something, and maybe yeah, it tells you that we don't need all these kind of, well, we need to talk about something, oh, yeah, well, let's three of us get together for, uh, you know, meetings, um, formal meetings face-to-face. I think I think we, in some ways, were lucky with the timing with the lockdown as an organisation because we had just finalised uh, a contract to lease our hardware for our IT. So moving a lot, a lot more um, laptops and docking stations. So just actually in the lead up to, to the lockdown um, in the middle of March, we, we had taken delivery of new PCs and new laptops and then started to prioritise the uh, laptops so we were able to, when we were moving from more of the face-to-face delivery to more remote working, we were really lucky that we had uh, new laptops that we were able to give to give staff and a very helpful IT consultant in, in Owen who helped them up, set them all, all up. And one of the first things that I asked for was that we develop um, what, what we call the operational COVID operational plan. So we moved very much to kind of looking well, what will services and what will PCAPs look like under lockdown as much as we, we knew what lockdown might look like at that time. And, and that's, a lot of that has been very interesting in terms of the change because it's, it's shown us that, um, you know, lots of things that we did before that maybe, you know, we didn't need to do and changing all the different ways in which we engage with clients and partners Etc. has has meant I think it's it's maybe a bit closer to um, the individual whilst it's been forced upon us. There's all many different ways that people can engage with PCAPs services now, which I suppose they could have before. But you know that whole thing about um, necessity being the mother of invention has really been true. For us as an organisation, and it's great to see all the innovative ways that we've been keeping in contact with clients, but importantly, you know, still providing very good services and support and engagement through the different mediums. So when we move back to the new normal, it will be completely different than what it was in February, March, 
um, I think it might be more akin to what it is just now, but with the good parts of pre-lockdown, with more social interaction, face-to-face support, which we always provided. But now we know that there aren't as many barriers to that and we can use and embrace new technology. So although it's been a really difficult and challenging time for a lot of people, us at PCAVs included, would you say that some positives have come out of the lockdown situation? I think, um, yes. I mean, one of the... I mentioned that COVID operational plan, and I think it's the sign of a good plan, but it looks nothing like what it was on the 16th of March, and it has developed and organically and it has changed, adapting to the needs of our clients and adapting to the needs of the environment that we're working in. So one of the great things about that plan is that when it's updated every month, I see things like activities in it that I wasn't aware of that were happening. And it's great. You know, as chief executive... It's really good to actually see when you've created the conditions for people to think innovatively and come up with really good ideas and they don't they know the parameters they work in and they can go and develop new ideas and new ways of doing things. And then you, you see it coming out when they're doing their performance reports and you know they're evidencing that there was a need for whatever because they know better than me. So you know, they're working with the clients. They know their clients. There's examples across the whole of the organisation where things have, through the necessity of lockdown, have developed. And I think there's some really fantastic things. I know the two uh, yourselves have both been very much involved in the Tampon Taxi Initiative, which is wonderful um, and has and very much leading the way in terms of period dignity and a, a very uh, worthwhile and very much needed service. There has been really exciting things happening, I think, in terms of the TSI role of PCAVs, which has really, I think, shown its worth in terms of that leadership around the third sector locally, and what I mean by leadership is working alongside people, encouraging people to, to volunteer, to deliver things, and not merely sitting back and you know commenting on what everybody everybody does. And that's not not the role of of I would say of a third sector interface. And I think we've enhanced our reputation in terms of that. I think in other services in terms some of the things that have been happening with uh, clients and mental well-being who were the first hub to to start putting in plans in terms of lockdown, which was really good because had, they had um, little uh, group sessions with clients in advance of lockdown, telling, showing people how to use Zoom. They've been able to do lots of things, which has meant that Whilst the support for the existing clients is different, but it's still being maintained because mental well-being, like minority communities and carers, 
are the primary support organisation for hundreds of people across Perth and Kinross. And one of the really good and exciting things, I think, is that we've managed to continue to provide a level of really good care and support for people in very difficult circumstances. Right at the start of this, some people were questioning whether, oh, you know, the services that PCAS provides, aren't they extra? Are they not a bit, you know, kind of they're not core, like some of these these really important statutory services should we really be doing those? And I think I'm I'm glad that not many people were saying that and most people realised that we do provide a lifeline to people. And people have said that, that literally some of the support in terms of carers, mental well-being, minority communities, is literally life-saving for people. And, you know, I'm thinking particularly about the way that we've helped tackle the isolation um, through lockdown and um, help keep people connected with our services, but also with the support, importantly, that they need in terms of respite from the day-to-day and their role as a carer or even something as simple as helping to continue the activities that people would get if they visited the wall garden or, or Wisecraft. And we've still managed to keep things like conversation classes for minority communities uh, going, which is, is great. And through that, people are using, you know, using Zoom and with, they might never have got the opportunity to do that. We've got, there's, you know, there's lots of, new and exciting things that have come through this. So how do you think all the changes from the different hubs, like in terms of services and how they work, how do you think they will impact the way you lead the organisation? I think part of the change and the change which has come, because everybody in the different services is really busy, obviously they're always really busy, but there's lots of change going on I think a lot of the engagement in terms of leadership is is kind of one-to-one with managers. So there's not as much collective coming together. That's not necessarily been a bad thing, but I think because people are very focused on delivering their own services at the moment. And I think one of the really positive aspects is about how adaptable and innovative people have been across the whole organisation. And the organisation as a whole has shown many examples where people are embracing change. So could you share some examples with us of some of the innovative things that have been happening across PCABs during lockdown? One of our biggest services, as as everyone knows, is the the day services that we provide. The Carers Centre and that's a very, in terms of COVID in particular, it's a very vulnerable client group. So obviously, one of the first things that we did was we had to suspend the people coming together. So straight away, we've had to think about different ways of how we support the carers who's looking after those vulnerable, mainly older people who came to the services. But also we've been thinking about ways of how we can actually work with those, um, those vulnerable people as well. So, you know, carers have developed like a, a kind of sitter service with the, the staff who are known by some of the, the clients from day services go and meet with, go and sit with them in their houses and give a wee 
give a wee break to the carer. I think it's amazing the way a lot of the, the services have moved on, even things like cooking, cookery classes. But I think importantly as well, the kind of core day-to-day services, which are about just providing that signpost or providing that listening ear, have um, moved to the telephone or moved to, to doing it Zoom. It's just shown that um, it's made us, given us opportunity to think. And so going ahead and going to the future, we might be able to, through a hybrid of what we're doing through necessity at the moment, and the best things of what we've we've not been able to do and we're longing to do around bringing people together physically, um, we can come out of this with different different um, approaches. And I think that, um, I don't know, was it Darwin that said it's not the strongest of the species that survives, but the most adaptable? And I think um, we PCAVs, we've shown that we've been very adaptable. We're not, we're not frightened to try things. And that's one of the great things about the, the third sector, that we have that opportunity to, you know, one of the great things about my job is I can have an idea on a Sunday night and then come in on a Monday morning and try to, well, not try to, can implement that idea and don't have to wait on a committee. But we can try things. And if they work, great. We can uh, then share them with others and, and keep doing them. If they don't work, then we can try try something else. So we've been doing a lot more of that, which I think is great. I think it's a positive thing. Whilst obviously a pandemic in itself is a great tragedy, um, out of that tragedy, you know, has has come um, real opportunity for us as an organisation to show our worth. So SCVO have launched their Never More Needed campaign, highlighting the role the third sector have played in supporting communities throughout this crisis. So how have you seen that play out? I think the crisis has provided the opportunity for the third sector as a whole to, to, to kind of show not just its worth, but it's just necessity. In terms of the response to the, to the, the public health response as a partnership response, operationally, the third sector is vital in terms of that. I think in many ways, as the third sector is seen as like the poor relation in terms of that strategic partnership. But um, the, it, it, it's, it's quite difficult in terms to, to kind of capture it because there's in, in a few phrases because it, the, the third sector and volu- the voluntary sector, volunteering, is so is just across the whole of society, and the so in terms of demonstrating its worth, it's something that you know we need to get better at telling our story and helping the people who benefit from working with with us in terms of clients or communities out there letting them have a voice to say, you know, how how um, much they value all the different third sector organisations who have been providing support the way I've described earlier in terms of how we engage with our clients, providing information, providing advice, also providing things like uh, 
um, whether it be period products or access to food, access to, to benefits, access to, to the resources that they need in their, their daily lives, but also just giving them some sort of hope that they maybe don't, don't have at the moment through the lockdown, giving them an opportunity to engage with an organisation uh, which is based within their community. And a lot, lots of people would much prefer to engage with the third sector because they see that much more as part of the community. And I think one of the great things about recent weeks has been that that being able to show the value of us as an important partner. So we in PCAVs have worked in partnership with lots of organisations that we weren't, we've never worked with before, but also further developed relationships with big partners, you know, like the Scottish Government, who um, have been excellent in terms of the way they've provided resources, financial and other support to the third sector. I think also some of the bigger funders like National Lottery, Cora Foundation, who have been involved in the administering of those funds that I mentioned in terms of the Scottish Government, have done that very much in a partnership way. In terms of locally, the NHS, through the sharing of volunteers, we've helped volunteers uh, provide services and, and reception, etc. at the PRI, and started conversations with the Ganaki Trust that we've, we, we've never had in the past. Work's been going on in terms of partnership with us to um, allocating volunteers to different parts of the third sector. Um, really good partnership work, which has come out of the necessity of this. And I think we're a very good partner. The third, I think the third sector in general are a very good partner and focus on the outcome. And, you know, and I think that's because partnership needs to be something that's equal and people are treated equally. And where that is done, I've mentioned the Scottish Government, NHS, side, etc., where you know, people come and it's about mutual benefit, focused on an outcome you know, that we're, we're all trying to, to work towards. So that's been about trying to help people get through this pandemic and not focused on the process or focused on who does what and who, who holds the power and who holds the money, etc. And as long as we focus on that outcome, and I think there's been there's been great great examples of partnership working, but there's also been examples where the third sector's role hasn't been properly recognised and not valued. And what that means is that there's, there's been lost opportunities for us to work together in some areas, but in other areas that I've already mentioned, there's been great outcomes from working together in partnership, an operational level. Through, through many services, but also at that strategic level, there's been, in terms of ensuring no duplication and planning planning the help that's been provided to communities, there's been a number of lost opportunities there. So I think you've touched on the ability of the third sector to, to respond quickly and to put community empowerment really at the heart of the way that the sector as a whole has responded to COVID. 
What do you think that that says about the role of the third sector in building back better following the pandemic? I think we, in terms of the role, I think it's quite interesting that, you know, for example, I mentioned strategic partnership. So um, it's quite interesting to me that one of the first things that happened in the middle of March when lockdown was announced was that all partnership, strategic partnership working was all of a sudden stopped in terms of the community planning partnership engagement with a third sector. Then now conversations are starting about, oh, third sector have a great role in, the, in recovery and then uh, we want to work with the third sector. And so it, it's, it's interesting that 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 would be the case. And I think I think it's good if people recognise that the third sector has a very important role to play. But I think lessons need to be learned in terms of partnership and how we listen and engage with each other all the time. And don't just kind of pick and choose when we work together. And I think it's about that parity of esteem and that, uh, you know, equal respect for each other. And traditionally, bigger statutory organisations have seen that they commission or they, they, will, they will bestow a bit of money on the third sector or voluntary organisations to go away and do some nice things that we really can't be bothered doing ourselves. And through the, this pandemic, I think it's been shown that actually the third sector are a vital cog in that wheel of the strategic work that needs to be done. And if there's a disconnect with us in the third sector, we're not going to get that kind of sum of all our parts going, going forward. And I think we, we have a challenge in terms of building um, that partnership and making that partnership. However, and on the positive side of that, we have those great examples of where we've worked together on a mutually respected way with the Scottish Government, with the NHST side, National Waterway and others, which has will really serve us all collectively well for the future as we go forward. Because we you build relationships, you also build you build reputations and you, you, you build worth. So hopefully those partnerships will continue going forward in terms of the recovery and renewal part of this. And I think one thing to say as well about the worth of third sector organisations is, and this is maybe not appreciated so much with statutory agencies, is the economic generation in terms of, we all know that we're going into the biggest recession the world has ever seen. And we all know at the moment, things are tough for everyone. However, we in the third sector have brought in hundreds of thousands of pounds of Scottish government, UK government, National Waterway, uh, and other big funds into the area because we have that reputation, we have that track record to be able to 
show that we can make a difference. And that money is money which has been given to Perth and Kinross in terms of PCAVs, given to PCAVs because we have the reputation of delivery, given to other third sector organisations who equally have that type of relationship with funders, but also that, that reputation. And what that means is that, you know, that can, and particularly in these troubled times, I don't think that can be underestimated as something which is a really important role, which we we can do, we can bring that, that, that money in. I know things are going to get tougher going forward and they're only going to, we're only going to be able to, to face those challenges if we work together. We are stronger together. Hopefully, that will be recognised by everybody. So who do you look to as an example of good leadership? I don't think, you know, there's one person that I would say, you know, I look to them. I think I've taken, I probably have taken lots of things from lots of people. I've been around a while. And so I've, I've kind of worked for lots of, or people, and so as well as taking really good things from lots of people, I've seen how not to be a good leader as well, and I think that is equally helpful. I think you know there's a number of people, both fictitious characters and um, real kind of leaders, and and whether that be um, government leaders or um, business leaders or even in entertainment. Um, that you, you know you can take wee things from different different traits. In terms of people I've worked with, there was a man who I worked for for a while called David Burke, who was I thought you know in terms of his calmness, he was uh, deputy chief executive at the at the council, and uh, I took a lot from him in terms of that. I think leaders need to be calm. I, in terms of, I would love to say I took a lot from Jed Bartlett from the West Bank to be um, as kind as he was in as in leadership and the US president. I remember seeing a survey. I can't remember what election it would have been. And he had done some sort of poll in America and he came head and shoulders above the two presidential candidates at that time. I wonder who that that would probably be Bush and Gore, I think. That uh, you know, he, he would have won it hands down. I think um, in terms of that, um in terms of artists, you know, people who stand up for their community and their beliefs, I think is um, people may find it strange, but um, Tupac Shakur, if anybody gets a chance to read any of his lyrics or any of the poetry that he wrote in terms of that that hope around the um, potential for people in his community who, the black community in, across the different parts of America that, that he was brought up and, and had that, that kind of hope for people I think that had an influence on me, and um, I think I think Barack Obama was very much uh, somebody who was a great leader in terms of 
that clarity of vision around making things better. And I think if you can focus on trying to make things better all the time, you know, you're not, you won't go far wrong. So there's lots, lots of people, I won't talk about the bad examples of leadership. You can take lots of things from different people and then people wouldn't necessarily think that Tupac is a leader, but he's very much a leader in terms of uh, his community. And now with everything is happening and the, quite rightly, the publicity around Black Lives Matter and hopefully it's not something that will just pass in a couple of weeks as some people think. Um, you see that, you know, 20 years ago, Tupac and others were saying exactly the same thing and 20 years, 30 years before him, Malcolm X was saying exactly the same thing. So, um, you know, hopefully there'll be change now. So the last question from us then, just leading on from that, what would you say are the key ingredients of positive leadership in the third sector? I think you, you can't make that distinction just for the third sector. I think leadership's important and I think we're all leaders. And I think if, as a leader, if you can you know, give people the opportunity to lead in whatever they're doing, give them the opportunity to think and be innovative and you know, give people that opportunity to to thrive and develop. I think, to me, that's the most rewarding thing when you see the outcome and you see people that you're working with who have developed and had the opportunity to have ideas. And as Tupac Shakur said, you know, I might not change the world, but I will spark the mind that does change the world. So wouldn't that be a great thing um, to be able to do that? So leadership, I don't think, I think it throughout, I think, I know people respond differently. You know, if you're talking about leading people, people people are motivated through different things. And I think you need to be, you need to be aware of that. I personally am motivated through positive reinforcement. You might think, why is he in that job then? And quite rightly, you might ask that. However, I think, you know, people do, respond well if you give them the opportunity to do things and have ideas and then run with it and then just are clear with them, you know, what the parameters are and what the opportunity. I don't think that's any different in the third sector, but one of the things about the third sector is that I think there's more opportunities to do that. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons I left the statutory sector to come to the third sector was to have the opportunity to be more innovative, not just as a leader, but as hopefully somebody who can inspire others to be the best that they can be. Thank you, Paul. Um, That's all of our questions. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. It's um, been, the time's gone really quickly, and so I've really enjoyed it. So I'm an avid listener of the podcast and uh, although I'm not so sure I'll be keen to listen to myself but um, I think just like you say I think the podcast is a great initiative and thanks to you both for um, for starting it and maintaining it and um, I'm sure it's going to go from strength to strength and thank you very much for inviting me along today. Thank you Paul I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. 
thank you again to Paul for joining us for that really interesting interview. So normally we would say we'll see you next week, but obviously we're taking a break, so we're not going to see you next week. But we will be back in August, before you know it, with some fantastic interviews we're going to line up. In the meantime, take care and we will see you soon. See you soon, Amy. See you soon, Jenny. Bye. Bye. Positively PCAVS is a member of the Fair City Podcast Network. Your hosts are Amy Bryson and Jenny Keenan. This week's editing was done by Lindsay McCallum. Thank you to Paul Graham for taking part in today's episode.